because I want to feel like um, what a company is saying it's doing in one aspect of its governance is consistent with its practices overall. What have you done that is bespoke to your organization? What is unique? What is innovative? What is new? Thanks for listening to this edition of our Exchange Feed podcast on winning governance. I'm Elisa Riego, Head Product and Service Innovation here at TMX, substituting for our regular host, Tanya Rantree. I'd like to first welcome our guests here today, Lynn Beauregard, President of Governance Professionals of Canada, or GPC, Catherine Gordon, President and Founder of Simple Logic, and Jeff Creighton, CEO, In-House Council Worldwide Member, BlackRock Canada Independent Review Committee. Well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, Lynn, before we get into winning governance and the topic today, maybe you can talk about uh, the Governance of Canada organization. And what yeah, so um, Governance Professionals of Canada got uh, was actually created uh, in 1994, and it was known as the Canadian Society of Corporate Secretaries. Um, at the time, the Peter Day report came out from the TSX and urged organizations uh, to change the way that they were behaving vis-a-vis their um, governance, disclosure, compliance uh, processes, and, and it just kind of created a little bit of a revolution, and this was sort of post-Enron and WorldCom. So um, corporate secretaries were hunting around for a place to gather and resources and education, and that's how CSCS came about. And over the course of the last 20 years, uh, we noticed the demographics of our organization changing, the members becoming a little bit more diverse and uh, coming from not just listed organizations, but not-for-profit crowns, uh, public sector, uh, private organizations, and the uh, title of our members sort of evolving to different types of governance roles in organizations from legal to risk to compliance and so on. And so we changed the name about two and a half years ago to Governance Professionals of Canada. Our focus has always been governance, so it... Great. And we may refer to it as GPC. GPC is absolutely fine. Great. And ironically, when I first started at the TMX, I was selling that report along with the BRIEX report that came out. Oh, my gosh. That was in 96, not 95. Yeah. So tell us a little about another acronym, EGAs, Mm -hmm. the Excellence in Governance Awards, and what that is, because really that's the focus around winning governance. So explain that uh, gala event, which is wonderful, and perhaps how long it's been in existence. So we're going into our seventh year. Um, we essentially created the program because we felt that um, there needed to be more recognition, not just for the role of the governance professional in Canada, but also for the you know the amazing work that organizations are doing in governance. And there's really no such opportunity to do that, to gather under one roof and to, you know, to sort of hand out awards and to provide that kind of recognition. Um, so when we created the awards, in fact, there's there's a couple that are already in existence elsewhere. You know, there's one in the U.S., there's one in the U.K., and so I, I, I kept sort of an eye on that and thought that this would be an excellent program for us to be able to, uh, to kickstart, and uh, we incubated it with the annual conference for the first three years to, to just make sure that we were doing the right things and um, recognizing the right uh, types of behaviors in organizations, and then we launched it as a um, as a gala dinner on its own in 2016, and uh, it's just been so successful. We're so so pleased. Yeah, and a lot of people have come out. It's it is a fantastic event, and so we have Catherine and Jeff with us as well uh, for a particular reason. They are both judges for the EGAs. So Catherine, 
simple logic, how do you get involved with governance then? And what makes you a, a reputable judge for the event? Um, well, simple logic helps companies explain their governance practices, um, among other things. So we bring a broad perspective of what companies do and, and say they're doing and help them describe that consistently and clearly. Um, so we work across all kinds of sectors, oil and gas and telecommunications and banking and financial services. Um, uh, and our objective is to help companies understand how they can be communicating that in an effective way because investors in particular, um, regulators, and others are interested in, in getting more and more interested as time goes on. Great. And Jeff, you were the chair of the judging panel. So what, uh, what do you bring? I saw on your LinkedIn it also says governance expert. So what do you bring to the table? Uh, well, I've been in the industry in one form or another for 38 years, uh, first in private practice as a corporate commercial uh, lawyer, then as a general counsel of a TSX-listed public company, dealing with a number of governance uh, bodies within it. Uh, it was uh, IGM, which is a, uh, the owner of Investors Group and McKenzie Financial and uh, part of the power group. So we were dealing with boards and independent review committees uh, much of my time. Uh, and then more recently in my uh, sort of semi-retirement, I'm, I'm uh, on the BlackRock uh, IRC, and I'm a volunteer CEO of the IRC, uh, Independent sure. Review Committee for, uh, for Public Funds in Canada. It's a board-like entity that uh, acts, in effect, on behalf of uh, fund public unit holders mm -hmm. uh, to ensure that the manager is not acting in a way that is prejudicing uh, unit holders. Uh, much, much the way that a board is overseeing uh, for the benefit of, uh, of you know, shareholders and other stakeholders, and and also uh, based on my uh, in-house counsel role, I'm now a volunteer CEO of in-house counsel worldwide, which is an association of national in-house associations around around the world, and that's uh, that's an interesting perspective on on international practices as well. Excellent. So. What do you guys use to judge the companies that uh, have been nominated for the EGAs? So I'll, I'll jump in first, and then we, you know I think the um, what we use essentially is the um, the nomination submissions that we receive from individual organizations in each uh, separate category that we judge in. Um, we have some specific um, information that we request from these organizations, depending on the category, okay. to just support the, um, their nomination. So typically we ask for a uh, summary of um, what it is that they're presenting uh, to us and why they feel that they should be recognized for some of the, the practices that they have in place in that specific category. And then we ask for them to support that with some of their own sort of submissions and, and circulars or, um, you know, um, other types of, of documentation that provides Would insight. any of that be sector-specific then, or not really? It's, it's all within, it's, it's all relevant to the organization itself, and okay. uh, so if it's a specific category such as, you know, we're looking at uh, the way that they support their boards and committees, for example, uh, we typically ask for some, you know, examples of internal documents that support, you know, what it is that they're doing, what they claim is best practice, what they want to see uh, recognized, and, and how they want us to to judge 
you know, what they're putting It, it is sector-specific in the sense that what you expect to see and are impressed by from a smaller not-for-profit is going to be very different from what you expect to see and will be impressed by from a multi-billion dollar public company. Um, but the the questions themselves are, or the, the categories themselves are agnostic, as are the the list of topics that are asked to be covered. Mm-hmm. And I think every company is responding to the same list of questions for each category, so we're able to compare across as well. But I, I know that I, and I think a few of the other judges, also look at a company's website their other public disclosure to try and get a better sense of the organization overall because I want to feel like um, what a company is saying it's doing in one aspect of its governance is consistent with its practices overall. Oh, great. So, so. so then it really is about the disclosure of their governance practices because what they don't report on you, you can't judge on. Well, but they're providing internal documents, as the Jeff said, so um, materials that they give to their board or or, uh, investors, I think, right? Yeah, and enthusiasm comes through. When people, and and we should make it clear, people nominate themselves, and that's perfectly acceptable and expected Mm -hmm. uh, because they're the best Mm -hmm. encouraged uh, because it's the best way to hear the real story from the people who are most engaged in it and uh, are putting forward their best foot. Right. And then you also take, I guess, anonymous nominations? We take all sorts of nominations. One of the things that we do every year, um, we put out a best practice survey on governance. And each one of the, um, all of the questions are are organized so that they feed back into the individual categories of criteria that we look for uh, within the nomination criteria and categories for the awards. Um, So just from the responses that we get, we get over 100 every year we are able to kind of sort of even classify the top five in each category that we feel are really doing the things that we recognize should be, should at least, you know, the lowest common denominator, you know, should be uh, part of their practice. And it's also an opportunity for us to sort of judge if they're doing anything beyond that. And so we typically generate a number of nominations from that survey, but then we encourage organizations to come forward um, because they know better than anybody else and oftentimes more so than even their service providers, what they're doing and what's right and and how um, they've moved the needle internally on some of their own practices. So we really encourage companies to to think, okay, this is this is really, I'm sure this is revolutionary or we're kicking it out of the ballpark. We, we really need to sort of send in a nomination on this, this particular category because it should be recognized. And then to your question, um, yes, absolutely. If other organizations are witnessing that some companies out there are doing an excellent job in specific areas and might have a more of a 30,000 foot level view of what other organizations are doing and are able to say, well, these guys are really definitely doing something unique and innovative, then they should put these organizations forward. And it's, it's quite easy to do that. They just contact us and say, hey, company ABC should be nominated for this particular um, you know, criteria or award um, section and then we can, we can just follow up with them directly. And walk them through the entire nomination process, which is fairly easy. So really, the onus that's on the company that receives the nomination or self-nominates is really about them providing the materials to you. That's, that's right. about it. Not the nominee, but the, the not the nominator. Oh, sorry, yes, the nominee. <laughs> not yeah. the nominator, but the nominee. Uh, so right. the nominator or can be 
anonymous if they don't wish to be known uh, to have nominated the, the company. But uh, certainly, um, once we have the nomination, we can send a letter, a formal letter, to the organization, letting them know they've been nominated for a specific uh, category by such and such organization or individual if they want to be known. And then the rest is basically guiding them through that. Great. So I have other questions about the EGAs and the whole process, but I kind of want to get into good governance as well, uh, winning governance. And so just from what you know and have seen, do you think there's evidence of better performance with good governance practices? It's a loaded question. <laughs> it is a loaded question. So you could start by going to the Canadian Coalition for Good Governance's website, and they have several articles there talking about the link between good governance and good performance. And then you can look at things like the voting guidelines from the Ontario teachers who are saying, you know, our view is that companies have, that have good governance practices are going to perform better, so we're going to vote for certain things. Um, and so... I, you know, I'm not going to point you to any specific things, but the idea of governance and evidence of governance being linked to better corporate behavior has been around for a very long time. So in terms of um, table stakes, in terms of uh, governance, especially within the uh, publicly listed company uh, realm, what are, the, what are the minimal things that you're looking for? Well, as Catherine said, there's, a, there's list upon list provided by institutional investors and by ISS and by Glass-Lewis. And to a degree, those are tick-the-box structural things that people can demonstrate they have. And I think that the EGAs are beyond that uh, because if you're a, you know, a sophisticated public company, you will be ticking those boxes. Uh, to make sure that you're meeting the requirements of your institutional investors or uh, the proxy advisors. So it really is, what have you done that is bespoke to your organization? What is unique? What is innovative? What is new? What can you teach everyone else about governance that they might not have thought of themselves? And that's, that's more what, what we're looking for. The, 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 the table stakes for a public company are more defined. It, I think it's probably more difficult when you get into the uh, non-public entities, the crown corporations or the not-for-profits or the utilities or municipal. I mean, there's all sorts of organizations, and it's harder to say that there's a particular model for any of those. But I'm, I'm also looking for companies, as I said earlier, that are consistent. So consistent in their strategic approach, how that relates to um, their compensation. Um, what I mean by that is... Um, uh, a company that has good governance practices is linking its strategy and its risks and its governance and its compensation and even its approach to sustainability. It's all kind of starting to merge now. So for me, a company that is good governed well is also uh, linking all of these things in the way that they're structured and how they're reporting. Do you guys take into consideration improvements that you've seen? You say you talk about consistency, but let's say... You judge this company the previous year and the following year, and, and perhaps they weren't a winner, but the next year you see a real improvement. Does that add any value in your mind, or you try to look at this clean, clean slate each year? Improvement itself is not a criterion, but sometimes you can't escape noticing that someone's done an awful lot 
awfully fast. Mm -hmm. And um, the examples we've seen are usually entities that have had some sort of crisis that has forced them to focus upon their governance in a, you know, in a concerted way uh, from stem to gudgeon and, you know, make some decisions that aren't just random and aren't just uh, required by the year-to-year -year tweaks to the ISS or Glass-Lewis requirements. So there, improvement per se is not, is not rewarded, so to speak, but I think uh, you can't help notice when someone's done a lot of work. And hopefully the street recognizes that as well. You mentioned the word, uh, Jeff, sophisticated. When you see and look at the nominees, do you see a correlation between the size of company and the winners? No. So then what advice, because we do have a lot of micro, small cap, a whole list of venture companies, maybe from each of you, if you can provide one key element of governance that you think is really important, if you haven't seen it from the micro or venture companies, that might really show improvement in terms of governance? Well, I've been, I've been privy to, to listening into all of the judging uh, process um, over the years, and one of the things that I did notice um, is, is the focus that the judges have on making sure that when they're looking at a small company, they're not necessarily judging them or pitting them against a large organization, um, they're really looking at their own sort of uh, ecosystem and their own internal processes and, and being able to sort of assess within their own resources and environment, what have they been able to create that makes them stand out within that sort of context. And I know um, that um, Catherine has mentioned, you know, linking, linking risk and risk management, uh, compensation, sustainability, all of these processes into the, the corporate strategy and um, by doing that, you know, approaching governance as a holistic uh, sort of system as opposed to, to your point, Jeff, ticking the, ticking the box on specific elements that, you, you know, you just want to make sure you've got your house in order, which is great, but if you want excellence and you want to move the dial beyond uh, sort of the, the sort of the benchmark you want, you want to do that. You want to sort of create that sort of holistic approach to, to governance. Well, the other thing is that different organizations in different sectors are responding to different requirements. So financial services, sure. for example, has to meet OSFI requirements. And, mm -hmm. um, but uh, I, I think, as Jeff said, what we're trying to get at here is to understand how a company is thinking about this. Uh, so if they're responding to a particular application for a particular award, we want to know more than just the basics. We want to understand how, how they're describing their application in the context of other things in the business. And my, my one step or one step for a, a smaller organization to take would be put someone explicitly in charge of governance and compensate them for it. Don't make it just a tack-on that falls to the bottom of their to-do list but give someone the ability to, to put some concerted effort into paying attention to how the organization is, uh, is organized, <laughs> whom it serves, uh, where it operates, uh, who are its various stakeholders, uh, what kind of board or other governance bodies does it have. Think through the whole task of how is this going to work the best based on all the literature that we have out there on you know, different kinds of good governance. 
And so with our micro caps and small caps, that might be an issue in terms of resources. But my understanding is there's a lot of free resources available uh, on good governance practices. So what are, other than GPC itself, which maybe we can touch a little bit on the resources that you make available, but where else could companies turn to uh, to, to find out more about good I think governance? Catherine is, and, and Jeff have brought up some very good um, uh, resource areas. I mean, certainly the, uh, the CCGG, the good Canadian Coalition for Good Governance, has some very interesting um, best practice statements on, on a number of different areas that uh, could be used as a really good platform for any organization, any listed organization. Um, of course, GPC, um, we provide um, a lot of education to organizations of all sizes and sectors and industries vis-a-vis um, -vis the actual governance processes. You know, So we're really taking deep dives and we're talking about uh, structural governance, You know, putting, putting policies in place. Uh, managing board processes, uh, managing the interaction between the board and management, um, it, you know, managing disclosure and what are the regulatory, um, what's the regulatory environment like, what are some of the, um, the basic compliance requirements. So, you know, we provide all sorts of different courses and we also, you know, distinguish those that, you know, not-for-profit governance requirements and then listed, we're doing something together in, in the fall with That's TMX right. um, for listed organizations to understand sort of what their environment looks like vis-a-vis -vis governance and how it's changing and what they need to focus on. Um, so definitely we're, we're a very good resource and that's what that is our remit. That's what, why we exist. And my, my take on it would be that, that these days the, the, the difficulty is not finding information on governance or finding presentations on governance or online sources on governance. It's finding the answers to the specific questions that you have to answer within your organization. And there is lots of direction, as, as Lynn said, from you know, organizations like the GPC that exist specifically for that purpose in Canada and their equivalents in other places. I find it's always interesting to see what, what uh, you know, the, the British are doing or the Europeans are doing um, and the Americans, obviously, and seeing what uh, trends are being brought forward there and what we might expect to see here at some point. There's lots of sources. It's a question of uh, separating the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to turn it back to actually something that uh, was touched upon earlier around what's new, so trends. Is there something exciting that we're seeing with governance? Uh, exciting governance, interesting. So what, what, uh, what have you seen lately, or what are you hoping to see this year? Yeah. I think what I've been seeing over the last few years is the beginning of a convergence between governance and environmental and social issues. So they're coming together and investors are asking boards of directors questions about it, their approach to climate change, for example, and other things as part of the um, governance umbrella. So I'm seeing a con also, you know, disclosure creeping into proxy circular, for example, talking about environmental and social issues and climate change, how those things are governed, and um, compensation elements, which is why I keep going on about all these things mm -hmm. together. And, uh, and I'd, I'd add to that, would, part of the convergence on the ESG would be as well things like uh, international human rights which is uh, particularly relevant in the resource industries and is being fueled by spotty legal developments across the country that you know will probably come to a head relatively shortly in the Supreme Court. 
So uh, human rights, and I think everyone talks about culture now as well, mm-hmm. which is an overarching uh, convergence, as Catherine says as well. Yeah, diversity definitely diversity. Is, is another focus. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about it for a long time. Um, but I think what's happening is now the sort of the rubber is meeting you know, the road and it's, it's mm-hmm. actually uh, being... Um, there's a lot of attention that's being paid to that and not just gender diversity on boards but throughout organizations and not just gender diversity but diversity of thought, mm-hmm. diversity of um, you know, different groups. So we're, we're seeing that finally, kind of the, the needle's moving on that as well. And uh, there are some, uh, there's some great innovation out there and we are recognizing that that is one of our award categories. Great. And having been at the awards, I know that we also get to see how decisions were made and on what basis. So let me ask a couple last questions here. Are there disputes at the judging table? Panel. We do not call them disputes. <laughs> Let's call there, that vigorous discussion. There, there can be vigorous discussion, but I think uh, certainly in the time I've been involved, there has never been uh, a final decision made that didn't garner a consensus of, uh, of everyone in the room. That if it was not their first choice, it was certainly uh, a credible nominee that they could live with that award. So I wouldn't call it disputes. I'd call it uh, debate, which is what one Thoughtful hopes de- for. Deliberation. Thoughtful debate. <laughs> Thoughtful deliberation, which is what yeah. one would hope for amongst a group of uh, a group of judges coming from very different perspectives. Yeah, I think what's interesting, because I've only been a judge for two years, mm-hmm. is how everybody prepares. So we all come in, we've all looked at everyone in detail, and then we we go through them one by one and have a discussion about what we like, what we don't like, prioritize, and then as Jeff says, you know, there are moments when we're not in complete alignment, (laughs) but uh, we do get to to, uh, agreement at the end. So that sounds like a lot of work. So uh, let's start with EGAs. When is, or what is the general timing for the awards? And we can talk about this year especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the date this year? And We're launching the nomination call for nominations in uh, April. Okay. I talked earlier about a best practice survey that we are also going to be sending out um, by the first week of March, so in a week and a half or so. And uh, so starting to get responses on that, getting the call for nominations out by April. And uh, we generally um, look for nominations until sort of the end of May, June, sorry. And um, that's when, you know, we, we then get the shortlist judges involved, which is we have two judging panels. Okay. The shortlisting, uh, just we get about 80 to 90 nominations a year, which is quite um, quite a large number. Um, so we, we need to synthesize that down to a shortlist. Um, and uh, we have about uh, nine... Uh, shortlisted judges who split up the categories with themselves and are able to spend quite a bit of time sort of going through the nitty-gritty and, and finally coming up with the last three, four, or five in each category that then the final judges can um, can go through. And we announce the shortlist at the annual conference in August. Okay, so yeah. it's a lot of work and a short amount of time. And then the awards itself, I know it's typically in the fall and this year. Yeah, it it's November 7th in Toronto at the Carlo. Excellent. It'll be fantastic, mm-hmm. as it always is. So, any final thoughts? I think just uh, I just want to add that if any organization out there is considering uh, putting forward a nomination, um, not to be daunted by the idea, because it's actually quite a very, it's a very straightforward process. And we have um, 
uh, an interactive portal that has been created for that. So organizations can go in and put together and go in as many times as they need to, to, you know, to go in and, and upload information or create their executive summary, or they can do so completely separately and then just send the whole package in. Um, we have some you know, great folks who can lead them through the process, answer any of their questions, um, and it's not, it's not an onerous uh, process to, to put a nomination forward. You know, we, we, we want to see organizations tell their stories in their executive summaries because I know that the judges really focus on what it is that they're trying to put forward um, and what they feel they should be recognized for and then make very clear annotations of where they can find supporting information in their documentation that they might submit alongside. So it's, um, it's pretty straightforward and, and I, I don't think it should deter any organizations from coming forward. And again, for those out there that are seeing the best practices happen, uh, you know, come to us and let us know that there are organizations that should be recognized and we will do the work of, you know, approaching them and, and making sure that they, they have a chance to, to submit. Great. So more work for these judges. Any <laughs> final thoughts, Catherine or Jeff? I have a thought. Um, you've mentioned, um, you know, whether governance was disclosure. Mm-hmm. And it's not disclosure. I think the... Um, the way a company talks about what it does is meant to tell us how the company actually operates. So we're trying to get a sense of um, how governance practices are embedded across the organization. And if there were one thing that we could say to a small cap company, for example, it would be um, uh, how is how are each of the groups within the organization communicating with each other mm-hmm. so that there's an approach, an integrative repro- approach across organization. Yeah, you keep coming back to that integration and how everybody is working together. I think that's important. Jeff? I've said my piece. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Lynn, Catherine, and Jeff for joining us today. Hopefully we will get more than 80 or 90 uh, submissions this year. Bring it on. Absolutely. And TMX will do their part in uh, publicizing the dates uh, for nominations and when it's closing and the annual conference and the upcoming award ceremony. So thank you all. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's great.